Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. Thank you so much for being here. There's a lot of podcasts in the world and a lot of weed podcasts in the world and you're here with me and we appreciate that. Great show today. We have Steve of Falcon Brands, which owns a lot of big brands in California, most notably Crew and Jetpacks, the very, very delicious infused pre-roll. Uh, it was a great episode. I interviewed him at his office in Irvine, California, and we kind of took a 30,000-foot view of the industry and, and where we are, where we've been. He has a great track record and history. He was the CEO of Harvest, CEO of Harborside before that. We talk about what makes a brand and how he's blending sort of traditional cannabis values, street coolness uh, with CPG and Wall Street and corporate America. Not an easy thing to do, but he does it in stride. Uh, his energy is infectious. And it was a, a super good time. I, I really enjoyed the interview. Uh, and you're going to enjoy it too. I learned a ton. You're going to learn a ton. Tune in. Listen up. Get acquainted. Thanks to my friend Judson of Bespoke Financial for putting me together with Steve of Falcon Brands. Bespoke has been helping Falcon with their short-term lending needs for a long time, played a big role in their growth, and they can play a big role in your growth as well. Reach out to Judson. Tell him I sent you. Uh, it's worth a conversation. It's worth a conversation. Thanks for sponsoring, guys. Always appreciated. Let's get into the episode with Steve of Falcon Brands. Steve, so nice to meet you, man. Thanks for having me in the office. We're actually in person. It's great. Amazing. It's like, great. No Zoom today. Right. We got a nice... The weather's beautiful out I know. Here we should be Irvine. doing this outside, we too. Should. Really. We but should, yeah. Anyway, thanks for coming. It's great to meet you in person, and Absolutely, I'm excited to be man. here. Absolutely. Let's start with an easy one. What is Falcon Brands? Well, Falcon Brands is one of the largest cannabis companies in California, and we're proud of that. We're proud of that because it took a lot of time and effort and capital to, to get here. And it took even more to stay here, right? I mean, I think that uh, we, we have three of the top 10 selling brands in the state. And it's hard to crack into that top 10 here in California, sure is. which is one of the most competitive, if not the most competitive cannabis markets in the world. It's hard to crack in, and it's even harder to stay in mm -hmm. year after year. And so, sure is. Yeah. Well, that's a, congratulations. Thank that's you. a feat. Thank you. Just in itself. Um, I want to get into the brands, but first, where does that stat come from? This is something that's very hard to track in the cannabis industry. You're looking at headset or BDS. Well, that's right. Know, headset, yeah. BDS, and then uh, to your point, anecdotal information from bud tenders and from shops around the state, because as you know. If you look at headset data or BDS data, there's certain SKUs uh, that that they pick up and some that they don't, and so it's, there's really no concrete. This is the definitive source for sales data. Yep. And so it's, it's and in a market that changes so rapidly, it's hard to really believe any of it. That's right. <laughs> I mean, that's honestly, right. headsets friend of mine. You know, we're close. Sai and I go way back, but like 
It's hard to say. Yeah. It's really hard to say how accurate it is. You know, and Nielsen invested, so somehow there's some credibility there, right. but right. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. But when people tell me that, anyway, a feat nonetheless. You know what? So here, here's, here's what we can say. One of, One the, of. the largest. And, right. and the way that we also triangulate on that is we look at the published sales data from some of the public competitors, and then we we know what some of our private competitors are doing in sales. And so... And then we know what we're paying in taxes versus what other people are paying in taxes. And so when you take all of those data points mm. and you stack them together and you're kind of consistently coming out at or near the top, you say, okay, yeah, we, are, pretty good. we are one of, if not the largest cannabis companies in the state. Right, right, absolutely. That must have been what attracted you to it. You've only been around, when did you start? Here, me yeah. here at Falcon about a year. No, ago. not in life. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been at Falcon about a year officially. Interestingly enough, though, um, I've known about the company for four years, and I was contemplating either coming here or Harvest, and um, ended up going to Harvest and becoming the president there and helping take the company public in in 2018. Mm -hmm. One of the first things we did at Harvest when when we went public is we turned around and tried to acquire Falcon. Mm. And we loved Falcon <clears throat> uh, because A, we thought it would be a great foundational asset in California, and B, because there are very few companies in cannabis, and you can attest to this, that blend this kind of authentic OG street cred where people are tattooing their our brands to their bodies God bless them, uh, <laughs> with this world-class professionalism where we have people from Coke and Pepsi and Ford and Black & Decker and Kohl's and Nordstrom's. And so we, we really are a CPG company. Mm -hmm. Our DNA is that we're a CPG company. Our widget happens to be cannabis. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we've got some people on the team who would say, what are you talking about? We are, a, we are an authentic... OG cannabis company. What do you mean? It happens to be cannabis, right? Like right. we are cannabis. That's what we do. Our, that's yeah. what we do. But it's a great blend, right? So, we always thought that that it was a great blend, and that was why we tried to make the acquisition uh, when I was at Harvest. And um, I want to unpack that for a second. That's a very interesting idea that yeah. you brought up, and it's true. Um, GTI is not cool. Mm -mm. Nobody thinks True Leave is cool. No. Right. No. I mean, I do. I'm a weed nerd, you know. Yeah. But yeah. like, nobody thinks that's cool, right? <laughs> How are you doing that? How are you sort of walking that line of, I don't want to say legacy, that has a different connotation, but sort of authenticity with corporate, new, money, CPG, all that. How is that done? It's hard, right? There's no, there's no one answer and there's no silver bullet. I would agree with you that True Leaf's expertise and, and back when True Leaf was Harvest and True Leaf, I would say Harvest's core expertise back in the day was winning licenses. Mm -hmm. And they were, and are, as good at that as anybody in the country. And uh, I, I think that's a skill not to be underestimated. Um, you can talk about GTI, you can talk about acreage. Oh, I just picked about, random ones. Yeah, you know, None you of them can talk cool. about, you know, <laughs> and I think that many of those, uh, of those companies, and this isn't said disparagingly, rather admiringly, are really good at aggregating capital, winning licenses, opening stores, uh, and, and growing that way. Very few of them have that kind of CPG DNA and that, that kind of old school weed DNA. Mm -hmm. How do we do that? 
I mean, it's just, it's, it's really, that's the, 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 the team. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no, there's no, um, <laughs> it's no more complicated than that, right? I mean, so we, we have a team of people who have been extraordinarily successful in developing CPG companies and then some other people on the team that have been in the business, the weed business for 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. Imagine the people that have been in the industry for 15 to 20 years, you know, yep. they, you, those are people that really love and understand the product, uh -huh. right? You know, because being in the industry 15, 20 years ago, as you know, massive risk, really risky. Yeah. You had to really believe in what you were doing. And so that combination isn't just accidental or anecdotal. It is mm -hmm. who we are. Yeah. And, uh, and it shows, right? Because the products that we produce are without exaggeration they're beloved mm -hmm. by customers mm -hmm. and so we introduce new products and the market goes crazy right i mean we introduce a new saucepan and it's sold out within a week or two mm -hmm. and we introduce a new um, infused pre-roll in our jetpack line and we have two weeks later bud tenders across the state clamoring for more mm -hmm. and um, that's partially because we've developed all of the apparatus to deliver on that, right? You know, we, we have trucks that get to the places yeah. on time with a pallet of goods and all of that. And, and more importantly, it's because we are creating products that we love and that our customers love. Let's talk about some of the products. Of the, I think you said you had three of the top 10, mm. four of the top 10. What's yeah. the most successful? What's well, the most our successful? single most successful brand is Crew, mm -hmm. <clears throat> which I'm sure you've yeah, you've heard of. of. Hopefully you've tried. Yeah. And, um, I've tried every one of your brands, I think. Right just for the record. on. Right on. <laughs> Yet another reason that I'm glad to be here and love you. So Crew, Crew's our most popular our brand. And uh, first, let's start with the name, right? C-R-U, Crew. And that is a funny, we think, double entendre. First, hanging with your crew. Mm -hmm. And then second, the French wine appellation. Mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. that, that signifies quality and selection. Only the, only the finest grapes, the right grapes, are put into whatever crew it is that you're talking about. Okay. And so we look at flower selection in the same way that a vintner would look at grape selection. And so... Crew in flower form has been exceedingly popular over the years, as you know. Uh, and then more and more uh, over the last few years, our, our crew disposable vapes have become really, really popular. Mm -hmm. Like I said, we introduced uh, a new saucepan that's really kind of more full spectrum, mm -hmm. and people are absolutely loving it. The live resin or rosin? or Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's kind of similar kind of, kind of idea, and where we're really kind of including a more um, comprehensive range of cannabinoids. Mm -hmm. And by the way, as you know, that's a whole, we are in such virgin territory oh, yeah. as an industry, right? When we're trying to understand how all of these cannabinoids fit together, work together, taste together, smoke together, feel together. Like fascinating. Yeah. I did an interview a few months ago with Abstracts, mm. which you know here yeah, in Orange yeah. County, about all the terpene profiles and everything. It was really cool. Yeah. I mean, I learned stuff. Right. And when that happens, it's like, wow, this went pretty deep. You know. Totally. Went pretty deep. Um, 
Let's talk about, probably my favorite of what you have is jetpacks. Yeah. Um, let's talk about jetpacks. I think of 2021 was like the year of the infused mini pre-roll. Mm. Everybody wanted to do that, right? And I'm mm -hmm. not sure who started it originally. The first I can remember is like a Space Coyote did oh, that yeah. really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that product a lot. But I guess the most successful is Jeter. Mm -hmm. um, why do you think that category has become so popular? And why, why has it worked so well for you guys, I guess? I think there's a couple things. First of all, there is bang for the buck. Right. When you're talking about an infused pre-roll, it, it, these things pack a wallop, mm -hmm. right? And so uh, for a, uh, on a value basis, it's, it's a great, great product, right? And I don't care if you're a high-end smoker, a value smoker, it's a great product, mm -hmm. right? Because you really feel like you're getting a high-quality experience at a reasonable price, mm -hmm. particularly when you then start infusing with flavors and you start you start adding some components where traditionally I think the idea was, well, you could totally, you could smoke for effect or you could smoke for taste, but you might not be able to do both. Mm -hmm. Well, all of a sudden, these, these infused pre-rolls change that paradigm. Mm -hmm. So I think bang for the buck first and foremost. Um, and second, along the same lines, they're fun. Mm -hmm. right? They're fun. I mean, they're, the packaging is fun and the experience is fun. It's a very social thing. And so I think that uh, when you can have that kind of experience at a reasonable cost and be able to kind of share that with, with friends, it's a recipe for success. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing about it, too, is um, I, I think that we're going to continue to see form factors for cannabis evolve. Vapes obviously are way more popular now than they were three years ago, five years ago. And um, we'll continue to see that evolution. We'll continue to see a rise in edibles. I think that uh, over time we could see more interest in things like subliminal, uh, sublingual, not subliminal, sublingual. <laughs> That'd be an interesting <laughs> That'd one. That'd be cool too. <laughs> you want to smoke. Yeah. Now sublingual, <laughs> let's try that one. Sublingual like strips, the right? Listerine strips. Yeah, you yeah. know, so I think that we'll see um, more interest in, in form factors that fit cannabinoids. Having said all of that, the good old fashioned joint is never going away. Yeah. Right? It's effective, it's fun, it's social, it's powerful, all of those things. So if you can reinvent that old-fashioned joint mm -hmm. in a way that infused pre-rolls has, it's a winner. Why do people in this industry continue to underestimate flour? Like, it seems that every business plan I get is trying to get the next wave of soccer moms and lawyers and everything. And I'm not saying it doesn't exist somewhere. But why, why don't we just say, hey, this is what people want? <laughs> you know? It's such a great question. It's something that we talk about all the time. And I'm all for hitting soccer moms and new demographics. Like, for example, my mom, who traditionally was not a cannabis user, now occasionally uses a little bit of a tincture to go to sleep and she finds it highly effective and more effective than an Ambien or something like that. So that's great. You know, we're creating a new demographic and new product categories. And to your point, 
that's still the 20%, not the 80%. And I think companies ignore the active smoker, the regular smoker, the smoker at their peril. And so we spend a lot of time, to be sure, thinking about what soccer moms or my mom would want. We spend even more time catering to our core, which is people who have smoked, will continue to smoke, and who love the product. I actually think what we're learning is that those soccer moms and other demographics are actually way more weed smokers than we thought. Yeah, that's true. Right? Because they're going into stores, and I don't buy this like, oh, it's too complicated. Mm -mm. Like, they see all the different options, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they're picking jetpacks. Yeah. So what does that tell you about where we kind of are? And, of course, it's different in different markets, right? California, we have a long history of this. Um, but I find it very interesting, particularly beverages, right? Like, they're 1% of the market. Yeah. And we're putting so much time and effort and money into it. I'm like, mm, maybe not. Okay, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. I happen to agree with you on a couple points. First, beverages is really not, it's not in our lineup and it's really not something that we're focused on. I don't love it and we don't love it as a form factor, right? I mean, so the efficacy is not there compared to other kinds of, of cannabis products. and. Also, if you think about it logistically, it's hard to transport, it's hard to store, you gotta keep it cold. You know, it's a nightmare, right? I mean, you think about that versus what we were just talking about before, the sublingual strips, it's the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. Sublingual strips, you get like 15 strips in a little container that's, that's you know, a centimeter by a centimeter. Yep. Super effective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, so, and, and I'm not saying the market's gonna go to that, but as a form factor, it's far more efficient as a delivery mechanism than beverages. So, I think that uh, trying to overthink or reinvent the cannabis industry to follow other industries is a mistake. Mm -hmm. And so beverages, I think, is a prime example of that. You can't say, look, beverages, is, this, is, this is the right form factor for alcohol, so therefore it must work for cannabis. It's not true. I love it when people say, well, we've been consuming beverages forever. Yeah. Like, well, we've been smoking forever too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. You know, what? we've been eating bread forever, but I don't think that every every cannabis product should be baked into a loaf, right? Baked. That was yeah. almost. You almost did it. Almost. Uh, I mean, maybe we should do it, right? We've been riding horses forever. Uh, right? yeah. I mean, like, so. Do you think that because we've got all these CPG and Procter and Gamble and yeah. Johnson Johnson people coming in, do you think that they? want to work on that side of the product spectrum because it's what they know, because it's what they're comfortable with? Yeah, I think that that's possible. Uh, I also think that the whole cannabis industry, if you step back and think about it, is so new, right? And so I think there will be a lot of false starts, right? And there will be a lot of dead ends, meaning some, uh, a form factor or a product that people think is really interesting, and then it turns out the market just doesn't accept it. Mm -hmm. uh, beverages, or sublingual strips for that matter, right? I mean, if you had asked me five years ago, I would have said, that's gonna be awesome. Mm -hmm. By 2022, that's gonna be a really big product. Mm -hmm. It wasn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now, on the other hand, to your, and this is the other point I was gonna make, 
as long as I've been in cannabis, which isn't as long as some other people, but long five, enough. You know, five years. I, I remember I was on a panel four years ago with a bunch of people from some of those MSOs that we were talking about. And the question was asked, what about flour? And one of the panelists, one of the fellow panelists, confidently predicted flour is going to be done in the next, <laughs> in the next, I think, I can't remember if he said three years, four years. So, so, I think it's by now. I think it was by 2022. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think all of us looked at him a little, a little skeptically, but the other panelists were pretty enthusiastic that that if it wasn't gone, it was it was going to be substantially substantially gone. And I think that obviously that's not true, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's to to paraphrase Mark Twain, the the death of flour has been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> and uh, I think it's exactly your point that we don't need as an industry to reinvent how cannabis is consumed. We just need to make each of those categories better. And we need to figure out how to make money doing it. <laughs> There's that. There's that little thing, right? Well, the thing about it, that on that, what we have figured out, and we're one of the few companies in California that does make money, is that California, like many other states, but let's just focus here, there's an illusion that California is a completely wide open field that anybody can join in the fray and compete. There's this idea that if you and I tomorrow started a brand, we could just do it. Mm -hmm. But that's actually not the way it works because regulations are tough and taxes are tough and competition is tough. And so the only way to be successful here is to have scale. And it took us five years and $50 million to build scale. I mean, now we have cultivation and manufacturing and processing and distribution. We're one of the larger distributors in the state, but we only distribute our own products. We have a couple of retail stores and we're, we're opening more. All of these took time and were hard earned victories along the way. And that combination of things has enabled us to be profitable. Um, but it's are there it's, parts of that supply chain that you wish you didn't own? No, to the contrary. For us, at least, we want to own more of our supply chain. So, what don't you own? Well, we don't own we don't enough we don't own enough cultivation. Okay. And so, I'm not an advocate of owning millions and millions of square feet of cultivation if you don't know where. You're not that's glass house. Yeah. Well, I mean, name them or name anyone, right? You know, so like, <laughs> I said it, not yeah, you. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that's a hard strategy, right? It's a hard strategy to own massive cultivation where you don't know where that cultivation is going to end up each month. For us, though, we go through eight to ten thousand pounds of flour a month, and we don't cultivate all that, mm. and. So for us, adding to our cultivation so that we could, A, reduce our cost of goods because we'd be, we'd be making the, the cannabis ourselves rather than buying it on the wholesale market, mm -hmm. and, and B, uh, controlling the quality, um, that, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so if you have, you know, I, I don't even think there's a chicken and egg thing here. Like, that's this pretty straightforward. If you have the brands like we do and you have the demand, 
then you need to own more of your supply chain to increase profitability that much more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So jetpacks, crew, mm -hmm. then there's a crew like premium or something Grand like that? Crew. Grand, Grand crew. Grand crew. And yeah. what's the difference there? Interestingly enough, there used to be a real distinction in quality between crew and grand crew. Crew has gotten so uh, high quality uh, because our customers demand and expect it mm -hmm. that there is not, to be honest, as much variation between grand crew and crew as there was. So we really focused more on crew because it is a premium product. Smart. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think that um, that's, that's another key piece to why we've been successful, we're, we're always out in the market, listening, evaluating, talking to bud tenders, talking to consumers, and so we're not, we're, we're steadfast on quality and consistency. We are not as steadfast on this product needs to be in the market at all time and we will never change it and we will never change our set of, of, of products, right? And so because we listen, we, we rolled out the saucepan and we rolled out some of our, our Jetpack products that you like and people are loving. And that that's just really understanding the market and being consumers ourselves. Mm -hmm. What's in the pipeline? What's being developed? You know, the, we are developing this dramatically new uh piece of cannabis that you don't even have to touch or look at. It actually is 10 miles away, and it just makes you high. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, no that's, that's not it. So um, that would be cool, though. High by sight? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Vir virtual high. Um, so um, Meta high. Yeah, we're that's good. There we go. Yeah. We're, we're, that's what we're developing. Meta high. Yeah. Um, we're m more, more refinements on the existing products. Set. One thing, though, that is in, is in the future for us is, is edibles. We don't do that. And so at some point, we're going to want to get into... What kind? Uh, you know, gummies is, is, is the obvious one. Yeah. Right? And so um, we're, we're looking at that and evaluating the best way to enter it. I mean, the thing, about, the thing about us is that we're so big and we have so many trucks that roll out to so many dispensaries. If we put out a, a gummy on a Friday, I guarantee you that by Monday, it's going to be one of the most talked about brands in yep. the state. And by three Mondays or four Mondays from, from there, it will be moving up the charts. Mm -hmm. So I have such an infrastructure. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So we've got the infrastructure to do it now. We're, we're, we're really kind of looking at the best way to attack that. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're very, very heavily invested in the retail side of things, right? Not your own retail, but rather right. being in a bunch of different stores. You must be in damn near every store in California, something like that. Um, what do you think about e-commerce and direct-to-consumer? How much are you guys thinking about that? And is that what's next, or are we kind of kidding ourselves in that way? I think that... It is very important, and it will be very important. As a matter of fact, the way we look at it is that there are three ways to get products into customers' hands. They're selling to dispensaries and then having them sell. There is uh, selling through our own dispensaries, and then there is e-commerce or delivery. And we think that all three of those prongs are going to be important. And 
I think over time, the dispensary will move from the sole place of dispensing, and maybe at some point we'll view that name even as almost anachronistic, anachronistic right? We'll view it as, yep. as maybe a vestige of what it was. Maybe yep. dispensaries will be called retail mm -hmm. instead because it'll be a place where people can go, join a community, learn about products, educate themselves, kind of figure out what they like. I used to like when they called them clubs. Right. I think Canvas Club is kind of a, yeah. a nice, yeah. Yeah, you know, so um, for us, absolutely. We are looking at all three prongs. Uh, we sell to most of the dispensaries across the state, not all. As a matter of fact, we used to sell to more. Uh, but some of them we found out over the course of, you know, a couple of years, don't pay. So we don't we don't we don't sell to them anymore, and correspondingly, our mm -hmm. our collection rate is ninety nine point six percent, which is unheard of, unheard of, yeah. unheard of in the cannabis industry. And that's part of that harder knowledge that I was talking about. You guys going with bats, or how are, how are you doing that? No, we go in with contracts. Got it. <laughs> right. All right. 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 Fair enough. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, it's even scarier. Con <laughs> contracts and UCC liens. Yeah. So um, we uh, we think that all three of those prongs are, are going to be important, and um, we want to be able to reach customers in as many ways as possible. Mm -hmm. So it's been great, and it will continue to be great that we sell to dispensaries and have that partnership with them. We have two stores that really are just launching now under under a separate name, the bakery, mm -hmm. uh, and then um, where? It, and one is in uh, Fort Bragg, and the other is in San Jacinto. Okay. So um, the and then we have others that are opening across the state, but focus more in, in this in Southern California. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and then delivery will be important over time, mm -hmm. and you know we will use our retail hubs as as the kind of focal point for that, but you know, it's going to be important for us to crack that code. So it puts a large emphasis on marketing for the brand when you do that, mm -hmm. right? Direct to consumer. Yep. Has that, what's been successful for you guys in that way? You know, billboards, what are you doing? What festivals, what, what's been working for you? The thing that has been most effective for us is educating the market and educating bud tenders and, right, festivals, things like, Hall of Flowers, um, then really making sure that we are educating the people who are selling. And, um, and you know, we're fortunate that we're now several years in, and so we've got great word of mouth, we've got great brand recognition, but we don't sit on our laurels, right? We're always out in the market um, talking about our new products, asking about what people want, Again, you know, that goes back to what we were talking about before with the rollout of these new products. And so um, marketing in cannabis, as you know, is very difficult and non-traditional. It's much more guerrilla, boots on the ground, driving around, talking to people. It's not media buys, TV buys. I was with E-Trade for a long time. And we just blanketed sports you know, sports, yeah, sure. you know, with TV with, is with, so powerful with TV ads. And we were like, and we're done with our marketing. That was easy. Yep. It's fun. You hired but, someone else to make the commercial. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Right, right. They, that's, ex <laughs> that's exactly right. They, they'd come into our office. They'd show us the commercial. Yeah. We'd say, we love it. Great. We'd put it on the air. That was marketing. That was fun, yeah. easy yeah. marketing. Yeah. Right. 
don't tell the old marketing director, but that was, <laughs> that was easy. This is hard. But if you do it repetitively, day after day, week after week, month after month, as we've done, we've got an amazing creative team, uh, then you start to see the cumulative results from that. Mm -hmm. So all of this is super expensive. You mentioned it's taken 50 million odd dollars, something to do this. Where did that money come from? Tell me about the fundraising journey a little bit mm -hmm. there. We've done a couple of, uh, of private rounds and then the majority of that was actually invested by Harvest. Um, and uh, Harvest slash Trueleaf is now a 9% shareholder in the, uh, in the company. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we were, we were fortunate that along the way we had individuals and companies that saw the vision and saw that you could create a really large, successful, dynamic company in California, but invest <coughs> investments required. Mm -hmm. Do you need to raise more? I think the answer is yes, right? And the reason that I'm smiling is that any cannabis company ever that you ask that question to will answer yes, mm -hmm. right? I mean, yes, we want to expand more in California. And yes, we want to expand into other geographically proximate states that have like characteristics. And yes, we want to add edibles. And all of those things require capital. So yeah, we're, we're looking at a number of different ways to bring in capital, whether it's through debt or equity in a private way, if we go public, I think we're pretty committed to eventually going public um, when the markets get a little bit better because mm -hmm. we think that's probably the best way to access the capital markets. Mm -hmm. um, because yes, the answer is definitively yes, as we see a massive opportunity to grow in the state and in other states, and that will require additional funds. Any plans for that now, to go to other states, to be other places? Yeah, I mean, I think that we're, we're looking, and uh, we, we're looking kind of, there's two buckets, right? One, like I said, these states that, ha that look and feel a lot like California, Oregon, Colorado, Washington, Nevada, Th those kinds of states, right? Not limited licensure, ones where if you move into the market and you are operationally excellent and you produce great products, you win. And if you aren't and you don't, you lose. And the other bucket of states are if we have the opportunity to jump in, right? That are n newly developing on the East Coast, for example, if we have the opportunity to partner with someone and develop a new market, then you know we're, we're looking at that too. Mm -hmm. So I would anticipate that over the next, call it a couple of months, we, we most likely will make some announcements about that. Does the East Coast want West Coast brands? Everybody wants West Coast Everybody. brands. Everybody. Everybody wants West Coast brands, not just in, Cal not just in cannabis, mm -hmm. right? The idea that there is a California cool was not invented in cannabis. Not at all. Right. No, true story. Yeah. I, I remember uh, about a couple months ago, I walked into the mall with my 14-year-old, and we went into PacSun, and, and it occurred to me that there's no Nebraska sun, Colorado, <laughs> Colorado sun. No Atlantic right? sun either. Yeah, yeah, no Oklahoma sun, and those are all fine states, but uh, it's PacSun, right? Yeah. And so 100%. And 
the reason for that is, number one, there absolutely is this kind of California cool. And number two, the, the brands that are successful in California have to be really good, mm -hmm. right? I mean, because it's the most competitive market in the country. And so if you're in Massachusetts or New York or Ohio or you name it, of course you're going to want some of the products that have won in the most competitive market in the mm -hmm. world. So it's both of those things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So fascinating to see how that's going to work. Mm -hmm. I was just at MJ Unpacked whenever yeah. two weeks ago. Yeah. Everybody's just expecting that these big New York licensed companies are going to just buy them. And I'm yeah. like, well, you might want to have a plan B. I don't, you right. know. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about you, sort of the person behind the, the company here. Um, what kind of consumer are you? Are you a flower guy? Uh, obviously your own products, but what, what are you into? Well, two things. First of all, I'm really not the guy behind the company. I just want to be clear on that point. I joined the company because there was an amazing group of founders that had started it. And I've been, it's been a real honor to be here for the last year. And the reason that I was really excited and continue to be excited is because I think we got, I really think that we have the best team in cannabis. And so the, that, that group of founders, like I was talking about before, has this amazing blend of cannabis and non-cannabis experiences. So it's been amazing working with, with the team. What do you think you're like to work for? What am I like to work for? Oh, Amazing. Amazing. The fucking best. You seem like fun. <laughs> I don't know. Can I say that? On, can I use the F word? whatever you yeah. want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, look, I think I really care about the about two things. First of all, about the end result. And I also care about how we get to the end result. Mm -hmm. Right? And uh, I feel strongly that there is a right way and a wrong way to do things. And when I say things, it could be our processes and procedures, or it could be how we treat each other, how we treat our external customers as well as our internal customers. And I have been really fortunate to be in some great companies. I've had great mentors. I've had the opportunity to say, wow, that's great. Wow, Mitch Kaplan, my mentor at E-Trade, he's amazing. I love the way he's putting these things together. I want to try to incorporate that. And then over the course of 25 years, you can imagine that I've also been in situations where I've said, that sucks. I would never want to do that. And I want to make sure that as a company, we're never doing that. And so, uh, you know, I try to, I try, <laughs> I try to, I try to do the things that I like and have have seen work, and I try not to do the things that I think suck and don't work. It's very complicated, I know. Um, <laughs> and and, and the, the last thing I would say is, and I think this is a hallmark of any good organization, and I think it's certainly true here, many companies talk about transparency. Very few companies are transparent, mm. right? And so transparency isn't a motto that's up on a whiteboard or on the walls that people kind of see, but the words don't mean anything. And transparency isn't selectively 
occasionally telling people things, only good things that about the want. company. Yeah. Right, right. Transparency is transparency. Mm -hmm. And transparency is A, being really articulate about where the company is and where you want it to go. And then B, how you're doing on that journey. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, Falcon has always been a very transparent, very inclusive organization. And so one of the things that I've tried to do is just continue that, that legacy. Mm -hmm. If you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? I love being involved in industries that are developing, where the undiscovered country lies before you. Mm -hmm. And so one of the reasons that I got into cannabis is because it reminded me of the early days at E-Trade, the company I was just talking about. And so in those days, in the late 90s and early 2000s, we felt like we were completely reinventing the financial services industry. I think you were. And we were, to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. And it was exciting. And it was, it was, the thing that was so exciting is that we really felt like we were bringing this tremendous value to customers. I mean, think about trading that used to, used to cost people several hundred dollars, if not even a thousand dollars to place a single trade, mm -hmm. and we brought that down to $14.99. Same thing with online banking, right? When all of a sudden we exposed the fees, the hidden fees that everybody was paying, and all of a sudden we were giving people two or three percent more in their interest rates and better services and better delivery and, and, and. Mm -hmm. It was really exciting. And so the same thing here. And the reason that I got involved in cannabis at the beginning is because I felt like, again, I would have a chance to be involved in inventing an industry. Mm -hmm. And that's been really gratifying. So uh, the journey is not done by any stretch here in cannabis. So I'm not, I'm not looking to leave. But to answer your question, if I wasn't involved in cannabis, I'd be looking for something like online financial services in the late 90s or cannabis in the 2020s where there was this, there was this industry that the rules were being written mm -hmm. and the whole future was uh, unexplored. Know, I'm, I'm much the same way. So I did tech startups all in my 20s. Um, and this stuff, and then I've also gotten really deep into the Airbnb short-term rental space. Oh, that's cool. Because I think that's fascinating, yeah. too. We can talk about more of that offline, maybe a little bit. I think that's a good place to start to wrap up. Um, sure. How can we help you? What, how can the audience help you? Obviously, buy the brands, try something else, but anything else? Are you hiring for anything? Looking for a partner? Whatever, whatever you want. You know. Yeah, I think that we have enjoyed tremendous success by listening to the market, right? And so some of our products have come straight from customer suggestions. And so if you're listening and you're a consumer and you haven't tried our products, please try them. And if you have tried them and you have feedback, positive or negative, send them along. Mm -hmm. We'd love to hear. I mean, we are, we are absolutely a learning organization and our product suite continues to uh, continues to evolve. And then also, if you are an uh, investor and you have $100 million burning a hole in your pocket, 
definitely call me. Let me, me know. Call me, call, <laughs> call me immediately. So, uh, yeah, other than that, I think that just I, I – I, uh, we're very, we're very grateful to um, to our customers, and we we honor that relationship. It sounds so cliche, but it's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we really do, and so um, we uh, we're, we're, our commitment is that we're going to keep putting out the best, most interesting, most fun, most dynamic product suite in the state, and our expectation is that people try them and give us feedback. Do you have a favorite skew? I cut you off earlier. Oh yeah. What do you like? What do yeah, you... I mean, I I'm pretty simple. I'm also a little bit of a lightweight, right? So some of the things that we were talking about, like the infused pre rolls, just knock me on my mm-hmm. butt. Mm-hmm. So I love our crew disposable vapes. Just, nice. I really do. That's that's uh, that's definitely my go-to. I also like taking pictures in interesting places with my disposable vape and sending them to the team with the hashtag Where Do You Crew. So, you know, <laughs> nice. just our little inside thing. So, uh, uh, you know, but, but really, I mean, all of our products are pretty awesome. You've been in the industry for a bit. Mm. I'll, I'll get you out of here on this one. How do you feel about where we are? You know, are we doing a good job in California? How are they doing? Give me your thoughts on where we are as a whole, as an industry. Well, we're at the beginning. We're still at the beginning. Maybe we're in the second inning of a nine-inning game. Third. If. Yeah, yeah, you know, somewhere in there, right? Um, I think that we are doing pretty well as an industry given how many regulatory, legal, tax burdens have been placed upon us, right? And it is hard. Regulations in each state change from month to month and year to year. And so given given that kind of uncertain market, I think as an industry, we've done well. We've continued to attract more and more talent, more interesting talent. Like you said, people from CPG or finance or marketing. And, and, and um, I think, I think we're, we're doing pretty well. What I would like to see us do as an industry over the next couple of years, number one is continue to up the professionalism, right? And so um, making sure that we understand as an industry that there's no shortcuts, right? And that's something that we've always been committed to here at Falcon. And I mean, I don't want to sound moralizing, but I just want to make sure, I, I want to make sure, I'd like to see other companies have that same standard of care that, mm-hmm. that we have. And um, Number two, I think that we also, as an industry, have an opportunity to make sure that this, that the leadership in this industry doesn't look like financial services Mm. or doesn't look like uh, many, many other industries, right? Where, and I say this as a white male, Mm. but where it's not all white males. Yeah. Right. But it is still largely today. It is. It is. And that's kind of a. What do we do differently? Higher, higher, and 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 continue to look at who who the who's doing really interesting things mm-hmm. with brands or with new companies, and and just you know put a real put a real thoughtfulness into that. And I think that um, it's because it's such an area of focus early on 
we still, and it's so early in the industry, we Agreed. still have that opportunity. So yes, you are correct that right now, at this moment in time, if you look at the leadership of most of the MSOs, it is um, predominantly white white males. Mm -hmm. and not, not entirely, but predominantly. Mm -hmm. um, but we're still early enough in that it doesn't have to be that way. I agree with you. Just the fact that you have to start somewhere, right? And yeah. the fact that we're talking about it, that you know, two white guys yep. on a weed investing show are talking about this means we're doing something in the right direction, I think. And it's going to take time. Yeah. It's going to, you know, we need to get there. But I agree with you. I'm, I'm optimistic about it as well. I'm optimistic about it as well. Yeah. Steve, it's been awesome, man. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me at your office. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, anytime. This is great.